Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready to be energized and have some serious fun. This is the Energetic Education Podcast. Introducing your host, Dale Sidebottom. Welcome to episode number 40 of the podcast. And today we're talking about a topic that I really love, and that's the pursuit of play in education. And now today's guest, Ryan, I caught up with him in person recently in Dubai, and um, I was blown away by his energy, his passion for teaching, and also just everything that he he replicates. I think I think as an educator, the things Ryan are doing are just next level, um, and that's why I thought he has to be a guest on today's podcast. And you are in for a treat indeed. Now, Ryan shares his upbringing, uh, different challenges he's had with teaching, his successes, um, teaching internationally, uh, and then also he starts talking about a couple of new projects that he's just about finished and that are close to release date. So for anybody out there, this is a 35-minute chat that you seriously cannot miss. Ryan, thanks for joining me, buddy. How are you? I'm well, Dale. How are you? Going well, mate. Going well. Now, I always like to get a little bit of a grasp. I think uh, teaching today is such an amazing thing. Where actually are you at the moment? Well, I'm actually uh, joining today from Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates today. Nice, mate. Nice. And, and you can probably, I can tell by your accent that uh, that's obviously not where you've been brought up, buddy. So we're going to get back to a little bit about uh, where you're teaching now. But for the listeners out there, can you give us a little bit of a background on um, your upbringing and your teaching career to date so far? For sure. First of all, um, for, for everyone listening, thanks for tuning in. Um, a little, kind of a little bit about where, where I'm from. I grew up in a very small town in rural Nova Scotia. It was called Oxford, Nova Scotia. Um, kind of began uh, my, my teaching career, I guess you could say, in a, another small town called Antigonish, Nova Scotia, when I was in university doing my pre-service teacher training at St. Francis Xavier University. Um, I finished, I finished there and realized that I wanted to travel right away. Um, so following my, my time in Antigonish, I moved to beautiful Raleigh, North Carolina, and I worked down there for a state nonprofit that was focused around, um, early childhood physical literacy. So I, uh, I was in charge of facilitating and disseminating a curriculum that would, um, help childcare centers reduce childhood obesity and improve physical literacy um, at the same time. So I spent a year doing that and it was phenomenal. It was great to get to know that state. And um, if I could retire in one place, I would definitely retire um, probably in Asheville, North Carolina. It's just incredible down there. Um, So I spent some time there and then following that, I came back home and I taught for a bit in Nova Scotia, actually at the school that I was uh, that I, that I was educated at. Oh, so that really? Was, what was, was that, was there still teachers there that taught you? Yeah, it was, it was actually humbling, Dale, because my favorite teacher growing up and, and one of my biggest influencers, he was teaching PE and, um, I was called to come in and, uh, and I was subbing at the time and I was to sub for the other PE teacher for, I think a week. And, um, him and I actually co-taught for oh, a week. Awesome. So yeah, it was really, I remember at one point, I just looked at him and said, I can't believe that um, we're actually teaching together. 
And he said, I never thought I'd see the day either. So it was, it was <laughs> really nice cool. Moment. Yeah, that was, that was really special. Um, yeah, and just, you know, being close to home and, and seeing education from a different lens, from being a student to being a teacher was a really cool, really cool learning experience for me. Um, and obviously being in the small town back in, back where I was raised was really, really humbling. So yeah, yeah nice. so that was good. And then um, an opportunity came up with an organization called Everactive Schools, um, and they are a kind of a provincial organization that supports wellness initiatives in schools in Alberta, Canada. And I jumped on the bandwagon right away and applied for the position. And next thing I know, I'm flying to Edmonton, Alberta, and I'm, I'm working as a school health facilitator, providing professional learning to teachers across Alberta. So I did that for two years, and, and that was kind of through the Alberta Teachers Association there, and it was phenomenal in, in so many different ways because I was able to really grow a lot as a, as a, as a professional, as a, a kind of a leader in education, but also still as an educator, seeing, again, seeing education from a different lens now uh, in a different part of Canada, um, in different communities, looking a lot at, um, you know, looking a lot at land-based learning and uh, First Nation education and partner partnerships with, um, you know, other provincial sport organizations and um, and things like that. So it was a really neat opportunity and delivering tons of PD. I know you and I were just chatting, Dale, about um, all the PD that you deliver, and it, it's a fantastic role. I mean, to be able to support teachers in their practice is um, something that is incredible that we that some of us are blessed to do. And that was um, that was something I'm very grateful for. So, and so, I know, and I know. Sorry to cut you off. I know that uh, you sort of probably got the best of both worlds now because you do present at conferences and you still do PDs and workshops and things like that. But you're also teaching as well. So, do you think you've got a really good balance there? Before we go on a bit about Abu Dhabi. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I would like to be doing more for sure. Uh, I know you and I connected at the at the Connected PE conference, and uh, I know Jared tapped me on the shoulder and want, wants me to present next year. And I think there's uh, definitely a balance there. It's it's really neat to be in the trenches as a teacher, um, but to have that kind of PD uh, facilitator lens too within my teaching. So I, I could definitely see myself doing a little bit more of that. Right now, I'm more focused on the teaching side and and coaching as well, unless and less on the, the high-quality PD develop, um, delivery side. But I would love to have a better balance of both. I think it would be really neat to be, like, you know, part-time PE teacher and part-time uh, facilitator. I think that would be really neat. But uh, who knows? Who yeah, knows? It's good, mate. It's, I suppose it's always a really tricky one. And um, I know, well, Jared, myself, and a few others sort of struggled with the concept for a while trying to do both, and it's quite hard. Whereas I think you've got a good little balance going on there, mate. I, I, I think you're doing quite well. Oh, well, thank you. No worries. And now, yeah. so Abu Dhabi, mate. So before you get onto that, so that's obviously your first teaching gig overseas. And mm -hmm. I could imagine there'd be a few challenges and things with Abu Dhabi. It's, um, it's probably got a people out there are probably like, wow, straight from all the way from Canada, straight over to the AU. Is it? Was that something you ever thought you'd do? Uh, <clears throat> to be honest, no. Um, I, I think one one thing I've come to learn early on in my life is that leadership is not a linear path, and it, it takes a, a very windy kind of convoluted road. Um, 
you know, two years ago or actually three years ago, I would have never saw myself in Alberta and I was there. Um, you know, even in Alberta, I think a year and a half ago, I would have never thought myself, thought of myself to be in Abu Dhabi teaching. Um, but, but doors open and opportunities come and, um, and you, and you have, you have a choice, you know, do you, do you jump in and take the learning experience and all that it has to offer? Or do you kind of stay where, where you're comfortable? And I think on that edge is, is where growth happens. And I can talk a little bit about that a bit later in my, when I talk about my book, but, um, but, but that was definitely a decision I had to make as a professional is, you know, do I go now and and travel and get these international teaching experiences that are going to challenge different areas of my, of my pedagogy and also who I am as a person and, or do, or do I stay kind of kind of where I'm comfortable and where, where it's familiar. And, um, and luckily, you know, I had the support of my director at Everactive Schools to, to have a leave to, to come and do this. So it's been incredible. It's, it's, it's had its highs and its lows, but definitely, you know, going from delivering a workshop, in Calgary, Alberta, getting on a plane and flying here and teaching two days later um, <laughs> was uh, was not an easy easy thing. I would not recommend that. Any teacher <laughs> traveling international, take a week. Take a week. That's pretty yeah. – mate, I, I couldn't imagine doing that. Completely new country, everything's new, school, finding your way around and you're straight on the tools. I suppose sink or, <laughs> sink or swim though, mate, probably a really good way to, you know, find your feet. <laughs> Yeah, you don't really have a choice. It just kind of, it just, yeah, you just, that's a good way to describe it. You figure it out and make it happen. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So what are some of the, I suppose, some of the other successes or challenges of teaching in Abu Dhabi? Well, I think one of the, <clears throat> one of the successes for sure is, um, you know, teaching is teaching wherever you are in the world. I mean, I, you know, I, I've had a very limited experience in some areas of teaching, and I've had great experiences, great experience in other areas of teaching, and mostly in educational leadership. But the fundamental practice of teaching is exactly the same. Um, you know, the the way you can articulate your lesson, you know, whether I'm in Northern Alberta, Nova Scotia, Canada, or or in Abu Dhabi, is is very very similar. Um, so that is, has been one of the successes. Is that if you're a natural teacher and you truly believe in the profession of teaching and you truly believe in the value of that, you can deliver that anywhere. And trust me, if you, <laughs> if you can deliver it here, you can deliver it anywhere. And, um, and that's something that I've seen as a big success is that your teaching will, will shine uh, regardless of your environment or, um, you know, any, anything that may come in the way. Uh, and, and with that, I think some of the challenges are Communication is is, a, is definitely a challenge. I mean, the, the school I'm at is an English school. and is a Canadian school and operates on Nova Scotia curriculum. But we have students from 54 different nationalities. So there are a ton of different ways um, that those students would probably want to be communicated to. Um, but I have a very limited capacity in that, you know, I'm teaching English on an English curriculum and I don't know all the different languages that are even in my in my gymnasium. So <laughs> that is definitely a challenge, you know, trying to trying to get these, um, you know, I teach boys, trying to get these boys to understand what it is I want of them, what it is I expect of them, and then getting them to understand very very basic things, very simple things in PE that you would take for granted, kind of in your own country. So that that has definitely been a challenge. 
But then um, I, I reckon it's, it's a challenge, but the, the development as a teacher and figuring out ways to communicate that you normally wouldn't, like you'd be surprised how, how much that is improving your teaching. Yeah, and, that, and that's a really good observation, Dale, because, um, I, yeah, I would love for someone to come into my, my school that knows me to say, wow, like, you know, this is how much Ryan has grown as an educator because I don't have that lens. Um, but you're right. And, you know, I probably have grown quite a bit in my practice without even really knowing it just because you have to adapt. It's, um, um, it's that's like, a, it's a really yeah, good point. I think it's, it's like one of those things, you know, when, um, people are, you know, trying to get fit or healthy and they've lost a bit of weight, they can't see it, but they'll see somebody they haven't seen for a couple of months. They go, geez, Ryan, you're looking amazing. You know, and I reckon, <laughs> I reckon that'd be pretty similar if you're teaching people are like, wow, the way you're communicating and getting these students to learn is fascinating. And I, you wouldn't see that, but I can guarantee that would be happening. Totally. Yeah. That, that's a really good perspective. Um, no, go ahead. Uh, so, yeah, mate, I, I suppose um, overall, do you think it's one of the best things you've done, you know, obviously stepping out of your comfort zone and moving over to Abu Dhabi? Um, yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think the verdict is still out, but I think if I were to kind of evaluate how the fall has gone, it has definitely been one of the best decisions I've made in, in terms of really truly expanding my comfort zone um you know before this i had never left really north america um so being in my first time international and then international school right away in such a diverse learning environment um you know i've i've gained a lot i've gained a lot of cultural perspective and understanding how close culture and education is here um i've had the opportunity to go to some pd since being here and i've had uh, you know i have some friends here that have shown me some different experiences here that have really kind of changed my lens. You know, I, I think I really had a North American view of the world before moving here. And now I realize that there's this whole other part of the world that um, we don't really hear a lot about in Canada. Um, and unless you're kind of living and immersed in the environment, you don't really hear some of those things. So that has really added a lot to my knapsack when I go back to Canada. So that, yeah, that's been incredible. And I think, any experience can be a good experience if you can learn and evaluate the successes. And, and that's something that I try to do here weekly. And, and it's been, um, it's been equally rewarding as it has been challenging at times. And, and again, that's, that's where the growth is. So I'm really happy I've made the decision. Yeah. I, mate, what you just said there was spot on. I couldn't agree more with that. And I, I suppose the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast is after meeting in person in Dubai, I know we'd spoken a lot over Twitter and emails and things like that, but I'm really fascinated with how you love using play and fun in everything you do. And one of the, one of the things you've sort of involved me in, we did a, a Twitter chat the other day, is play correlation. Now, can you talk us through a little bit about this and how it come about and what your role is with it? Yeah, totally. First of all, that was um, one of our best uh, global t Twitter chats. So thank you for all your energy on that, Dale. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the U.S. Play Coalition, they're, they're a nonprofit organization that started in 2009, and, and they're focused on the value of play and providing a voice to the value of play, um, and not just in the United States, but, but now across the world. And in 2014, I really began to develop a strong relationship with them after going to one of their conferences in South Carolina. Um, 
kind of on and off for the last three years. I've, I've worked with them as their um, U.S. Play Ambassador Coordinator. And so my role there, Dale, is, is basically connecting with people like you and, and other leaders, not only in education, but in business, um, in playground, in the playground industry or play space industry, and uh, in other areas. Basically connecting them together to share resources, to connect, um, share research, and kind of a collective um, group that can all <clears throat> all identify with the value of play. And that's been a, a really rewarding part of, uh, of my work and, and for them as well, kind of expanding our reach now into areas like the UAE, um, Australia. We have some ambassadors in the UK now, um, and I think we'll soon have a few in Asia. So it's it's really exciting to kind of work with them to infuse uh, play into things like a Twitter chat, things like, um, you know, we have a play facilitator training that I've helped them develop. So it's just been a really nice relationship. Um, and I think on Twitter, too, we are now one of the largest uh, global play chats in the world. And I say that because I've been doing a lot of research and I haven't seen um, I haven't seen any that have been as large as us now. So. It's been super fun, and um, and like I say, you did an awesome job. So oh, thanks, mate. Thanks for doing that. That's okay. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And so, if people want to know a little bit about that uh, Twitter chat, it, it happens monthly. Am I right? You get someone moderates, such as yourself, and then you normally get a guest in. That's from what I gathered from when I did it. Yeah. So we we typically um, select a co-moderator to help facilitate the chat, and then we turn it over to them to you know, select a topic that they're an expert in. Um, so in December, we have our next one is uh, on December 4th, and that is with Brandy Heather. She is um, she works at Red Deer College in Canada all around uh, inclusive play. So the topic is inclusive play. And then in January, we've uh, selected a co-moderator out of New Orleans, and he focuses on how does play bring communities together that have faced trauma. Um, because he works with a lot of youth in, in, a, in a, an area of, of New Orleans that still never recovered from Hurricane Katrina. So it's been a, it's, it's amazing that these people are all across the world that have such specific experience and knowledge in an area of play that we can bring in and, and have on these Twitter chats completely free for people. It's, it's phenomenal. It's, um, it's a really powerful way to not only connect but also professional development you know people think that you need to do a course or you need to uh, sign up for a workshop or go to a conference whereas these twitter chats are happening weekly i know there's weekly ones and this one obviously on a larger scale is happening monthly so um, if you haven't Mm -hmm. checked these out i know um, i do them when i can but to be part of the one with you last month i thoroughly enjoyed it and the connections i've already made through that and not only the connections but what i learned is uh really really beneficial for my teaching and I suppose that's where I want to lead on with the next one Ryan that obviously uh, you love your play in education and your pursuit for play what are what are some ways that you are trying to encourage this or things that you're doing well to sort of promote play in everything you do with your education yeah that that's been a challenge um, and something that I'm still working on but uh, I, I think the biggest thing Dale so I teach all boys um, and I, and I teach all boys that, um, you know, typically have a very male-dominant personality, especially as they get older. And, and with that, um, you could, when you combine that with what they're traditionally used to in, in their education here 
of, of basically just playing sports. Um, I've tried to break down that a little bit and I've tried to basically encourage um, n- not as much competition and more participation because what happens in, in that type of environment when you, when you have the mix of personalities there is you have maybe 10 boys that dominate the class and then you have the other 15 that, that kind of are just there. And I don't want that in my, in my gymnasium environment. So I've really tried to challenge that and, and push back that. So one of the ways I've done, I've done this with my PE 11 course is I've done a game creation unit. And so what I've done there is they've chosen their partner of who they want to work with. And basically what they have to do is they have to take two games that they know of, whether from my class or from a camp or from anywhere else, if they play on a sports team, anything that they've learned, they, they bring in. They have to blend those two games together, connect it to what they've learned in PE and teach the class. And that has been a phenomenal opportunity because it's completely shifted the culture of learning in my, in my class, as opposed to me just standing up and saying, this is the sport we're playing today, which they're typically used to. It's them now taking two modified games that they're comfortable with and creating one that is just for playing purposes and learning purposes. Um, so the results have been phenomenal. The level of respect that the kids are showing each other when they're both participants and facilitating has been phenomenal. And, and that's been one way that I've decreased the c- competition side of things and the kind of male dominant side of things. And I've increased the uh, inclusive part of uh, of my classroom where I want all the kids participating and learning together in a safe environment and that um, that has been a huge win for me so I'm really I'm really grateful for that I like um, yeah. I like that that when when you do that you're giving students ownership of what they're actually creating so the buy-in you're going to get like you just mentioned will be through the roof instead of you just standing up there. And I think a lot of teachers, I don't think they mean to, but they just get into a habit of, you know, it's always one directional sort of traffic where they're explaining everything and then the students follow. Whereas if you can let the kids use their imagination like you have there and mix two games, um, it's mm-hmm. really truly amazing what they can come up with. Oh, totally. Um, and some some of them have even combined three or four and, and the level of complexity they, they've shown kind of a, almost like a TGFU approach, which is it's just blowing my mind. And, and I think because they've never really had to create in PE, when you give them the keys to create, it's it's phenomenal what they can come up with. Um, and and that's actually been an area I've assessed. You know how how have you created and innovated a game here? Because I want them to have those competencies. So yeah, it's been it's been phenomenal. And I know one of the other things I've done, Dale, is when I went to your workshop in Dubai. Um, I really enjoyed the emoji fitness oh, activity yeah. <laughs> that you showed us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so thank you for that because I've I've taken it, and um, our school doesn't have a ton of resources, so I'm trying to always find low cost resources to bring in, and so I was able to pull that resource, and I I actually used that with my PE11 um, group during a fitness class, and it was it was amazing. I mean, they when they were telling the story at the end of the activity with yeah. all the emojis. Some of the stories they came up with, talking again about the culture here, they were able to infuse culture into all their stories, and they actually opened up, which the, when you look at social-emotional learning in that male-dominant environment, it's very hard to pull that out of, of boys. And the fact that they were that comfortable to open up in their stories and in a safe environment with each other was 
was phenomenal. I remember just the light bulb went off for me thinking this is what teaching is all about. And I'm glad I'm able to bring this out in these boys because it's very important for them. It's very important for them to be able to articulate their emotions, especially in PE, and to be able to um, communicate that to other people, which sometimes they struggle with. So that was that was a huge win. Yeah, and I, I think you, you're selling yourself a little bit short there. Yeah, the game might work well, but it's that supportive environment that you've built where all the boys feel comfortable and safe to be able to open up. Um, and again, using their imagination. I, I think this word's so undervalued at the moment, and by giving those emojis and giving them a topic, it's they could they could interpretate a emoji to be anything they want, and then it's really open to them. So um, that's really powerful mm-hmm. stuff, mate. You should be proud of that. Well, thanks, Dale. Yeah, and thanks again for the resource. Now, my pleasure, mate. Now, um, any other any other sort of examples you might be able to come up with? Not mine, obviously, but uh, any other ways or examples that you try to uh, bring into your program to really get that play aspect or imagination or fun or any of those? Um, <clears throat> yeah. So one one of the biggest things I've I've also done is. I try to look at everything through a comprehensive school health model. And for anyone who's, who's listening, I challenge you to just Google comprehensive school health and, and you'll kind of see what that model is all about. And basically the student is at the center of that model and there's four components. There's policy, there's positive social environment, there's the teaching and learning, and there's the partnerships and collaboration. And so on the partnership side, that's one area I think my school has, has been really challenged on. And so I'm constantly trying to find those partnerships and trying to infuse those partnerships in with my PE. So one thing I've done there, going back to the importance of play in education, is I, I was able to uh, take my students out of school and, and bring them to the Corniche here in Abu Dhabi. And the Corniche is basically an area along the water here where it's, it's open to the public to walk, run, bike, or do, do kind of whatever they want. They can have picnics in the park, things like that. And I took my boys and we rented bikes and we biked along the Corniche for, you know, uh, for two classes. And I know it sounds very, very simple and very, very uh, kind of common sense, but here that, that was huge. Uh, taking these boys out of school typically is not something that we're able to do. We have to have approval to do that. So I got approval um, from the governing body to, to do that. And then just having them, you know, alongside the water, biking. Uh, at the end, we took a big group photo. They asked me questions about my lifestyle. They asked me, they kind of opened up and asked me about my coaching and, and what I do. And it was just a really good way to kind of have that vitamin D, um, having them outside, but then also allowing them just to just to play. They said, how, how do you want us to bike? How do you want us, like, which direction you want us to go? And I said, well... Let me show you uh, basically the basic principles of biking, and then you just go do you bike how you want to bike. And they weren't really used to that. They 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 were very used to having uh, very prescripted instruction, and I didn't give them that. So it was phenomenal to see them. I had no discipline issues, and I took thirty boys there um, along the water, and and they loved it. So that is another thing that I've tried to do is build those partnerships in just to say how can we think about our PE a little different to be able to connect them with the world around them. Um, and I've also I've done that with the university here too, which has been phenomenal. We went in and did a university tour and had an opportunity to play there. So I'm just I'm always looking for those partnerships and it's it's tough here, but um, but that's something that I try to do to to 
increase their educational opportunity. And I think uh, everything you've just mentioned there, it is tough, but by constantly finding new ways or new resources or new games, um, you're opening these boys up to experiences that they never had. And that is a credit to you, Ryan. Now, one of, one of the things I want to go on with is I, I love reading your blogs. And one really stuck home with me the other day, and you were talking about the fourth quarter of a game, you know, how whenever um, the first couple of quarters, you know, it's pretty pretty low-key, people are just getting into it. Whereas the last quarter of a game is always intense and the, the level increases and people's intensity increases. Now, you were talking about having this fourth quarter throughout your week. And I thought, wow, that's a really smart thing to go with. And um, since then, I've also read a couple more and I, I see that you're publishing a book. Now, a um, couple of questions here. Really excited for your book. Um, and also, uh, do you want to just sort of, I've read a few of the articles. I'm guessing there's sort of maybe chapters. I'm just guessing now. But um, can you explain a little bit about this to the listeners, mate? Yeah, for sure. Um, so that, that blog in particular, um, it, that was one of my favorite ones to write in. And you nailed it, Dale. Um, you know, the fourth quarter of a game, if we could live our lives with the intensity of the fourth quarter game, um, it, it kind of challenges us to put 100% into these days that we take for granted. And, um, you know, that, and, and sometimes it's okay to take the foot off the gas, don't get me wrong. But especially with teachers, when we look at, okay, how how are we not becoming complacent in our practice? How can we live today like it's the fourth quarter? How can we teach today like it's the fourth quarter? And how can we coach like it's the fourth quarter? And I, I think that's a powerful message to get across. So I'm glad that's been well received. Um, uh, basically, yeah, so I, I've, I've, I've finished a book. I, when I moved to Abu Dhabi, I had all the chapters lined up, lined out. And I said, okay, I'm going to start writing in Abu Dhabi. And I may get it half done. Well, I finished it in uh, in two months. Wow! And yeah, it was, it was just uh, what I found, Dale, was I, I just continued to write and I just let it come out naturally, um, and it and it was finished. So that's going to come out in January. It's going to be both an ebook and a uh, a hard copy book as well. And the book is called Your Best Decade. And what it is is I wanted I wanted to add value to anybody that picks up the book, and then, and that was the reason why I wrote it. And essentially, no matter what decade people find themselves in, I want them to be able to pull uh, stories from my book, experiences from my book, and um, some different ways of looking at things differently that will allow them to apply the principles to their life, that, uh, to their lives that will allow them to live a better life. So whether we're looking at you know, the, f- the physical wellness, which is one a lot of people gravitate to first, um, there, there's some elements in there that will support that. Or if they're looking at, you know, how can they, how can they be the best husband that they can be, or how can they be the best spouse to someone else that they could be, that is also in there as well. So it kind of touches. It's a broad stroke of um, of areas of our lives, but what, whatever decade people find themselves in, I, I just hope that they find value in relating and understanding and applying the, some of the pieces from my book. So I'm really excited about that. Mate, I. I can't wait for that to come out. I'm, uh, I've really got back into reading lately, and I think uh, from what I've read so far from about three or four of your articles, mate, that uh, that's going to be right up my alley and also up our listeners' alley. So um, I might, uh, when when you release that, I'll make sure I do a post about it and so everybody can uh, jump on the bandwagon and learn from you, Ryan. Now, yeah, 
Uh, I wanted to go on with another little topic here, mate. Now, I always like finishing off my interviews with some tips and things for teachers. So do you have maybe two or three tips that you wish you had been told when you started teaching or uh, just that you wish you had known that you do know now? Uh, totally. <clears throat> so the first thing I would say is um, I think early on in my career, and I know um, your listeners are probably from all walks of their career, but early on in mine, I, I think if I could go back and tell myself something, it would be, do, don't be scared to fail. I remember early on in my career thinking I have to have these perfect lessons. I have to have everything laid out. I have to have this, I have to have that, and everything's going to go perfect. And when you go international, it completely changes your perspective and your definition of perfect. And don't be scared to fail. I think so many times teachers set the bar so high for themselves. I mean, we already work 110%. We already put in 70-hour weeks. And I've seen that in Alberta and I see it here. Um, Things are not going to go perfect. And especially in PE, things are not going to go perfect. There's so many times I come in and I have a lesson and my gym is gone or there's construction in my building or there's an assembly that I didn't know about and you have to adapt in a small space somewhere. And you just have to understand that um, perfection is just not necessarily a standard that's in your control sometimes. And so that's been a huge lesson. So any listeners out there, if you're getting frustrated or you're you're wondering, you know, can I do more? Um, just focus on being the best teacher you can be and don't be scared to fail. I mean, every day I fail as an educator and I pick myself up and, and I learn and I grow. And that, and that to me is the most important. Um, and the second thing I would say is this is actually something that I've included in my book. And I think it's important for teachers and, and really anybody in any profession that's in a, in a long kind of marathon is I I've created an accomplishment spreadsheet and it's completely internal. I don't even share it with anybody. It's just on my iPad and it's a, it's basically a spreadsheet of all of the small wins that I've achieved in my week and in my days. So that could be as simple as developed a partnership that didn't exist before or spoke to a student and, or was able to relate to a student that I wasn't able to relate to before or a decrease in behavior management in my class. Any wins that you can identify in your day and in your weeks, I put them in this spreadsheet and I really update that spreadsheet three times, four times a week. And so what that, what that has done for me as a teacher is at the end of the week or if I'm having a bad day, I can go in and I can look at that and I can understand and, and think to myself that, you know, yeah, this could have been a, a bad day, but all of these great things are happening and I was able to move these great things forward and I think that's a great practice. And, and again, it's something I've wrote about because when, when life kind of goes along like a song, it's easy just to sing. But when life is not going so well or it's going all wrong, it's easy not to sing that song. So I, I encourage teachers to make that practice a, an intentional priority and just really write down those accomplishments, whether they're big or small, it doesn't matter. It's only you that looks at it and the you that can identify, okay, Yesterday was not a great day or wasn't as perfect as I wanted to, but I'm doing great things. And, and that conversation you have with yourself will shine through in your teaching and, and keep you kind of through to the end, which is super important.
Mate, that's spot on. And I think not only those two tips you gave there are great for teachers, but I think they're just general fantastic tips for people in life. I think people are too scared to fail. And the only way you'll learn is by your mistakes or you fail. So that's a really big one there. And, and that last one you just mentioned now, I do it quite simple. I've got, it's called a gratitude journal and each day I'll post three things that I'm grateful for or um, just little wins like you've just mentioned and I've been doing that for a while now as well and um, I think it's a really good thing to focus on these little wins all the time because too often people get caught up in the negatives and things that aren't going so well so by reminding yourself daily constantly thinking about the good things you're doing um, it's a it's a really really powerful thing to do and it and it's such a beneficial thing so how long have you been doing that for mate? Um, I've been probably doing that now for three years. Um, and it's, it's super beneficial. The spreadsheet is so long, but I, I haven't imagine. deleted anything <laughs> from it. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes it's funny to go back three years ago and to see what I thought was a win at that point to what I think is a win now. And I've also seen growth there too, which is really cool. And that's the yeah. thing, like they, they were wins back then, but you're growing, you're developing as a person. So, you know, they're also getting mm. bigger and you know that's great now final question before i would love for my listeners to uh be able to find out more and read some of your articles and things before obviously your book comes out but um i always finish my interviews with finding out i love icebreakers and team building activities if you had one lesson to go you had about 10 20 minutes and the teacher or the principal or the student said right ryan we've got one icebreaker or one team building activity what would be your go-to yeah so I think you and I might be on the same page with this one, Dale. Um, it, so there's a, a, a fantastic icebreaker, um, and in Canada we call it Ice Feet, and I know that you have it on your uh, list of activities as well, and you, you refer to it as Hot Feet, but same principles apply. It's, a, it's an amazing icebreaker activity that can be done in small, medium, large space, requires no equipment, and anybody can do it. I, you know, I've had students – um, with different ability levels, do it, and, and it's phenomenal. It's very inclusive. And basically, for those who aren't familiar with the game, it's like tag but only using your feet, or you could use your elbows if you need to modify it for certain students. And in Canada, uh, we, we refer to it a lot as a traditional game, traditionally played by the Inuit peoples in Canada that have passed that down um, you know, to, to students today. But I remember being in a place called Leduc, Alberta, which is just south of Edmonton last year. And I'm pretty sure we set the Canadian record for the amount of uh, teachers, principals, and kids all playing ice feet at the same time <laughs> in the gym. And uh, I tried it at the, end of, uh, at the end of one of their sports days, and it was phenomenal. You know, kids from all the way from kindergarten up to grade nine playing this game, challenging each other, dancing, laughing, having fun. And principal's right in there playing with them too. I remember the principal looking at me first, and she was a little wary it was going to work. And I said, "Just trust me. Just trust <laughs> me. It'll work." And I didn't. I didn't know if it was going to or not, but I was. I was trying to uh, to put my best effort. But it did. It, it was phenomenal. And I remember actually capturing a photo of that, and I remember tweeting it out and thinking, um, you know, this is why I love what I do. You know, getting kids to be active in a space and completely breaking down any barrier. I mean, at the end of the ice feet or hot feet game, what I, what I typically build in is you have to high five the partner. So if they take your feet and they win, you high five them and then you move on to the next partner. And that high five part is, is just that social emotional connection that I've infused into that game. And it just, 
whether you've won or you've lost, you forget about it after that high five and you just go and play someone else. And I've seen it with kids and it's phenomenal. So I encourage teachers, if you're not sure what that game is, check out um, Dale's list of resources because it's on there as well. And it's just a phenomenal activity. Yeah, great. Uh, any any simple little game like that, I know I was in Hong Kong yesterday and I ran a workshop and I played four similar games like that and I, I couldn't physically get the teacher's attention. I was yelling. They, they'll, they'd engage playing it. So um, that's <laughs> the students will love it. And I was just like, guys, I was, I was squealing. I was yelling and I couldn't get them. So I know personally how well that game works. So give that a try. I love that idea. Now, Ryan... This episode has been epic, mate. Where can people find out more about you and all the amazing things you're doing, buddy? <clears throat> yeah, well, uh, it's, been, it's been awesome. Um, I think the, the best way for now for people to connect is definitely on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at WellnessRF, and you can also find me, I'm sure, through Dale on Twitter. Um, <clears throat> that, that's probably the most used space that I'm on and also on Medium. So if anybody has Medium on their phone, it's just an app that you can download uh, you can follow me on there as well, so you'll get updates on my writing and um, and kind of updates when the book is coming out. So, yeah, those are two great spaces to connect with me. I don't have a website yet, but I'm hoping to have one here in the new year. So stay tuned for that. But Perfect. Um, yeah. Perfect. Well, I'll have I'll have links on the show notes. Um, so if you're listening along and you go to energetic.education forward slash podcast um, and you'll be able to find the links to connect with Ryan through Twitter and then on there you'll have his handles for Medium and by if you're listening in the new year in 2018 there'll be a book on there, a website, he's going to be dominating. So Ryan, thank you so much for your time today, mate. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Hey, you know what? Thanks, Dale. And honestly, thanks for, for all the great things you're doing for education and for PE. Uh, across the world it's it's phenomenal and i look forward to staying in touch beautiful thanks very much buddy cheers